Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, welcome to the Coventry Telegraph podcast. While we sing together, um, another bumper edition. Um, my name is Andy Turner, and I'm joined by George Baker, um, who's not only um, an avid Sky Blues fan and has been uh, for most of his uh, his life, but he's also studying journalism at Southampton Solent University. So, welcome, George. Thank you. Um, so, tell me, George. Um, first of all, why do you want to be a, a journalist, and, uh, and and why on earth do you support the Sky Blues when they could be any other number of um, successful football clubs out there th- to follow? Um, so first I want to get into journalism because obviously I have a passion for sport, uh, mainly football um, and I just thought whilst I'm probably not going to have a career actually playing the sport it'd be a good idea to be talking or writing about it and I've been doing it at uni now for a year and thoroughly enjoying it. At the minute I'm focusing on the uh, writing side of things um, but we're doing TV and radio, so going to look into that, and perhaps I'll have a change of plan over the next couple of years. Yeah, and so why the Sky Blues then? Why do you follow um, them? Well, my dad really, he took me up when I was about six years old. I think it was a game against Birmingham. Um, at first I didn't really have much of an interest, but then after the uh, Euros of that year, um, I got into it, and it was the last season at Highfield Road, mm-hmm. um, and I just thought, I'd much rather support a team I can watch week in, week out and have a bit more of a bond than supporting your Man United, your Chelsea's. But now I'm sort of regretting that decision. <laughs> I wish I was it's, it's a, glory it, hunting. It's a familiar tale, isn't it? I mean, that, that's how I started myself, going up um, to Highfield Road with my, uh, my dad and um, you know, taking a, a stall to stand on, you know, as a, as a five, six-year-old and all that sort of stuff. And it just gets you, doesn't it? It's, it's in the yeah. family, it's in the blood. Um, I've got two lads myself, a daughter as well, and they've all been um, as well. And you know, you start them on that path, and well, you know, can't get out. well, exactly. And you know, and I think I like the that fact that you support your local club. You know, I think I think that's the way it should be. You know, I get the fact that other kids, uh, local kids, support Man United, Everton, whoever you know, Man Cities of the world, worlds. But um, you know, I think it's important to uh, to follow your local side. You know, through. Thin and thinner, unfortunately, <laughs> where the sky blues are concerned. But anyway, on an upbeat note, um, I've been away on holiday and I've come back and in the last three games I've seen, uh, starting with Chesterfield, there's been an upturn in fortunes. Um, so they've gone from 10th to 4th in that time. So, um, you know, uh, happy days. And, um, and and the one thing that struck me, George, is that um, it's a real division of, of, of real fine lines because, um, you know... Looking at that, I mean, it's quite easy to get sort of carried away, you know, up to fourth and get all excited about it. But, you know, I think we need a sort of bit of a reality check, really, because, you know, if you go through each and every game of the season so far, they could quite conceivably have gone either way. Yeah, um, You know, and I think that's, that's the thing about football. And I think that's why, you know, managers often sort of say they don't get too excited when, when they're winning and they don't get too down when they're losing. You know, unless obviously you're on a downward spiral. Um, but you know, even going back to 
the opening game against Notts County, you know, they hit the post at early doors, and you're thinking, well, if that goes in, it could be a com- completely different, completely game, different game, you know. And the 3-0 three, three scoreline, I mean, sort of flattered them a little bit in the end, because, you know, those the two late goals, they got a goal, they got the, the first goal, but the other two goals didn't come until very late in the game, did I they? Mean, like you said, it was a game of fine margins, and I think I saw on Twitter someone say if they'd have had Jody Jones, I think they probably would have won the game because apart from him, I didn't see a breakthrough from either side. So. Yeah, that's right. And then you know you look at the Grimsby game, which is the following game. Um, McNulty had a bit of luck for his goal, didn't he? You know, on another day, the man, in, uh, yeah, the, the man in the middle, the referee would yeah, have uh, disallowed that. Um, and then you look at Nor- uh, Newport County. Um, which you were at, we I missed because um, it was away. But um, you know, you you tell me that, that City absolutely dominated yeah, the game, and it, they they won by the odd goal. Yeah, um, I mean, the goal was a complete freak. Um, any other day, saving that. Um, but as I said, Tony Andrew had, came on and that could have scored two in the first few minutes he was on yeah. the pitch, and they never really looked like scoring. And even when they took that shot, didn't look like scoring. Yeah. But yeah. there you go. And then the Yeovil game, Yeovil away. Um, you know, I, I've read you know a couple of penalty appeals went, um, um, th- which they didn't get. You know, so you know another another game. You know, and and a mistake by by the yeah, goalkeeper. And if we don't concede that mistake, and we're not pushing for the equaliser, they're not going to score the second either. So yeah, and then the Chesterfield game, which um, was again my first game back from from my break. And um, you know, um, City had a goal disallowed. It was goalless draw, but. Both keepers made wonder saves, didn't they? You know, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it could have gone either way. It mm. really was sort of finely balanced, really. And then you look at Port Vale um, last Saturday, um, and City were sort of defending this sort of um, you know slender lead, weren't they? You know, and absolutely hanging on for grim death at the Masterclass end. Masterclass from Lee Burge at the end kept us in it. He was absolutely superb, wasn't he? Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about clean sheets um, in a little while, but you know, I think he's he's really come to the fore since he's been back and. Um, you know, and um, and not really put a foot wrong, has he? And no, I'm um, really impressed with him. Yeah, and long may that continue. It was quite funny actually. Because, um, uh, Mark Robinson uh, uh, called him Go Go Gadget. Oh, I saw that <laughs> this week, and because of his uh, extended arms and all that sort of stuff. But then, and then you know, bring us right back up to date. And and Carlisle on Tuesday night. Um, you know, dreadful first half, wasn't it? Oh, it was terrible. There's nothing that was that. No. And you know you, you thought oh it's, it's going to be an absolutely miserable rest of the game, and yet um, the second half you know um, completely different side completely different side you know got that early goal which gave them lots of confidence but you know and, and got the two goals <clears throat> uh, to to see the game out but even then there were two late chances from their centre half I think it was Tom Parks who yeah. he thumped the the crossbar, the crossbar and then it over as well that's right from a late turn yeah. corner I think it was in stoppage time wasn't it so, so, yeah something like that so, th- so that could have been 2-2 you know and in then the end. there's the uh, chance in the first half from Jamie Devitt who if that had gone in it's lost the game haven't yeah so. and uh, again you know mentioned Lee Birch a brilliant yeah. one handed save wasn't it to his left uh, to deny that so um, but the thing that really excited me or, or uh, about the, cha- uh, the, the the Carlisle game was that they just got that sort of bit of va va boom back, you know that sort of, you know in the second half, you know they got forward with you know waves of attacks and um, I, I guess that hopefully that's a taste of things to come, isn't it? Yeah, I hope so. I mean there was chances for most players on the pitch there. I think Biamu came on, did really well, had a few chances. Vincenti looked really dangerous. Jones was taking 
plenty of shots at the end as well. And I think if we can keep that up, the goals are going to start coming, especially when McNulty's back fit again and the team's starting to gel now by the looks of things. Too. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jones. I mean, the thing that struck me about the first half against Carlisle was that he he was like he has been a lot of in a lot of games this season, and quite rightly so because he's a, a Coventry's a sort of obvious threat and danger man, but. Um, yeah. Carlisle were doubling up on him weren't they, in the first yeah. half and yet he had so much more freedom in the second now I wonder whether particularly on the right hand side where Jack Grimmer got forward really well didn't he yeah. and we were really impressed with him yeah definitely and hopefully I mean that will sort of you know create more space for Jody to sort of you know, get at his full back yes. and, and he had a lot more joy didn't he um, Jones after that but the, the other positive thing I think the big positive thing um, is that the goals are now being shared around so Peter Vincenti got his first goal, um, Duncan's Nazon um, also opened yeah. his account. So, um, so that's really good, and you know it's a really important time. It's vital now that that players like that step up because we can't be relying on Jones, especially with Andrea out now for nine months. Well, be a creative uh, threat if him and Jones are at the team, and we're relying on either them two, then we're going to be struggling. But if the likes of like say Nazon and Vincenti and Grimmer scored as well and people like that if they can yeah. step up then um, that's what we're going to need because um, Portsmouth went up last year and I don't think their top scorer had any more than 15 goals right. it was spread out really evenly um, so I think that's what we need and with the amount of strikers we've got too I think that's what's going to have to be done yeah because I mean, you know, Mark Robbins um, uh, confirmed his worst fears um, in the week um, that uh, Tony Andreu is um, is out for the season with uh, a cruciate knee ligament uh, uh, tear, um, and that is real kicking the taters, isn't it? Because you know, I mean, he, he was seen, although he hadn't really sort of got going, he'd shown glimpses and enough to know that you know he could be a real creative force this season sort of playing in that sort of hole that number 10 role couldn't he um, but I haven't seen too much of him play um, but from what I had seen he's got that class about him and his record especially in Scotland he's scored so many goals over a couple of years there mm. um, and I think he would have added a lot to the side and he probably would have been our most creative player um, that can pick that through ball mm. um, and find people like Kelly did actually the other day so he's yeah. going to need people like him and Stevenson yeah. when he's back in the fold to yeah. try and replace and yeah. what Andre would have brought to the team yeah I mean it's been, it's been a, an interesting sort of you know uh, um, the interesting sort of dynamic between Doyle and, and Liam Kelly in midfield they sort of two holding roles and it, to me it strikes me that they sort of they start off sort of playing very deep and certainly Doyle does anyway he sort of yeah. screens the back four that's his job really I suppose um, although he can pass it around spray the ball hit diagonals to, to spring attacks or whatever but I think what they do is you know they tend to sort of you know play this sort of cautious approach at the start of games and then as the game goes on certainly in the second half then Kelly sort of takes on a more sort of advancing role and as we saw the other night you know that, that through ball for for Nazon to score, I mean, was superb, wasn't it? And perfect. Yeah, and so he's really got to, we've got to start relying on him, I guess, yeah. to sort of step up and, and start doing more of that, that creative work. I think he's shown on Tuesday, especially, that he is able to do that, and he had a few chances to score himself. I think he blazed one over in the first half, and he needs to be getting forward and chipping in with a few goals. I think he did it for Leighton Orient a bit last season. Um, but yeah, we need goals from everywhere and input from everyone. It's not just relying on a 
few individuals. Yeah. Now, I suppose, you know, I was just looking through the team and, you know, there are a few sort of natural number 10s um, in there. Um, but the one lad that does sort of stand out, really, that ju- jumps out at me, and I'm thinking, Devin Kelly Evans, I mean, he came on um, on Tuesday night, didn't he? And he did ever so well. In the three, four minutes he had on the pitch. Yeah, but, you know, he's... I mean, he's, him and his brother are like two peas in a pod, you know. I mean, identical twins, so they obviously are. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but in terms of their playing style, I mean, they just give everything, don't they? They yeah. just they run through brick walls for for the course. Um, and I love that. I just love that mentality. Um, you know, they just do anything for the badge. And, you know, perhaps it's it, it's an opportunity for him now that, that Andreo's out. You know, certainly till, till January, when yeah. I'm sure the manager will sort of if he's got anything left in his kitty yeah he'll, he'll try and bring somebody else in um, but um, but you know I mean the answer could be sort of staring staring him in the face be. couldn't it you know I mean I know he's still young now but you know he, he's had a little taste of first team football and you know maybe he will get introduced you know sort of slowly yeah. and steadily over the next few weeks I, who knows but um, I'd certainly give him a, yeah, give him a go give him a go in the uh, cup games and see what he's like in there when there's yeah. less pressure on it as obviously I think the leagues are focused but there's not just him there's other players in the academy who can potentially step up because I was at the game on Monday against Sheffield United yeah the 23s yeah and um, is it Bilal Saud yes um, he looks very impressive um, I don't know whether he would be ready for first in football but he was certainly creating a lot and he scored as well what position did he play? Um, I think on that day he was playing sort of central midfield, but right. I believe he's normally a winger. Yeah. Because um, they're very um, short on numbers given the um, shortage of injuries and things yes. like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, he looked impressive. And obviously, like you say, uh, Devin mm-hmm. Kelly Evans. And you've got Ponticelli as well who yeah. could step in and do a job. Yeah. But um, yes, because obviously Mark McNulty um, is also out with um, uh, he's got a hamstring injury, um, uh, which is we're told two to four weeks. Um, he's been in the wars a bit, hasn't he, McNulty? Yes. You know, having his teeth pushed out and um, and his cracked ri- bone in his wrist, and you know. But um, you know, it's funny because there's been a bit of debate about McNulty, and, and I like McNulty. I think he's got that work rate and energy and that movement, and I think he's got a good touch. And um, as he showed with um, chances against uh, Chesterfield, you know, I think he worked the keeper a couple of times. Yeah. He missed a couple of chances, but he was denied by a couple of decent saves as well. Yeah, I think the goals are going to come with him. Yeah, he scores goals at wherever he's been. So I think it's just a matter of time once he's settled and yeah. he's got that understanding with whether it's Bevan or whoever. But he's definitely getting in the right positions. It's when he's not getting there that yeah. should be worrying. Yeah, and hopefully, I mean, you know, perhaps the positive to come out of, of of the two injuries is that it's going to offer opportunities for other people to come in. And Max Biamu is another case in point, really, as well as uh, Duncan's Nason, who um, have got that chance now. And um, I mean, I thought when Max came on in the second half, um, uh, midway through the second half, I think it was on Tuesday night. Uh, uh, I think that's the best I've seen him since pre-season. You know, I thought he, he looked quite yeah, good in pre-season, um, again, particularly against Nuneaton. Um But um, I thought he was um, he was superb, and he played a couple of clever passes. He had a, a shot of goal as well, he didn't did. he? Just volleyed the ball over, from just inside the area. Yeah, 
But um, so you know, there's the opportunity for him to hopefully we'll see more of him, and hopefully he'll grasp that sort of opportunity. Um, but the one thing I'm not speaking to the manager after the game. Um, the one thing he sort of um, he said about both Max and, and Duncan's nose on was that um, uh, that he needs more to see more work rates, and I think particularly in Biamu's case, it's been a bit of a shock to the system because yes. he's gone from part-time football exactly. to full-time. So I think in terms of the intensity of training and matches, I think that's come as a real shock to the system. Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, he's played part-time football in England with Sutton, which isn't a bad level, but then I don't know what the standard's like in France. Mm. He's doing the same. So, um, But he looks a decent option, um, and I'm looking forward to seeing him start and get more minutes because... Yeah. There's, I've seen clips of him from Sutton last year. He looks a real handful, and he's was always getting a goal and things like that. So it'd be good to see him in the side at some point. Yeah, because he offers something a little bit different, doesn't he? Because he's of, um, uh, a bit more of a physical presence, isn't he, yeah. than, than the rest of the, uh, the strikers. Or, and the other thing he said, that, um, the manager said about Nason was the fact that um, uh, he needs to work harder off the ball, which is interesting. You know, because I mean, obviously when McNulty and Bevan play. I mean, they're chasing, and, chasing and, and you know from the front, aren't they? They real, they just press, um, uh, you know, um, the defenders at, a, at every moment. They just, just, they're almost relentless, aren't they? Just don't stop, don't give them a, a second on the ball. Um, so I think that's what the manager is looking from him. Um, you know, I mean, Nathan has shown you know that he's got great strength on the ball. Um, you know, he can finish as well. So you know, there's a really good player there. It's just he just needs to sort those levels, doesn't he? Yeah, and I think his gold the other night will um, give him a good confidence boost and hopefully set him on the way. And he's got this opportunity now, like you say, um, with McNulty being out as well. Mm. Um, and I imagine he'll start this weekend as well. Um, yes. So yeah, hopefully he can step up to the plate. Yeah. Okay. That we um, we'll we'll look at the back now. Um, we've looked at the the, the forward thinking players, but um. Uh, the Sky Blues currently um, uh, boast the meanest defence in the division, having um, conceded just three goals in League oh. Two and kept five clean sheets, um, which yeah. is fantastic, isn't it? No, we don't usually say that too often. It's normally <laughs> we're probably put the, the most in the league. We probably put the kiss of death on it ahead <laughs> of uh, Cambridge, um, but um, you know it's. What, what, what do you put that down to? Because we've seen a change in personnel as well, haven't we? At the back, in the centre back, different defence really apart from Stokes um, but I don't know what it's down to really I think it's maybe the focus is on um, defence this year because we've got Doyle in there as well who have never really had that screening player mm. um, for years we had it for one season with Vince a lot but apart from that um, we've been quite weak in mm. the midfield so I think it's down to that as well um, mm. with Kelly as well so we've basically effectively got a back six and then it allows the Attacking players to maybe stay up the field a bit more, yeah. and of course the, the form of the goalkeeper as well. Yeah. Um, you know, um, we've already mentioned you know Birch um, having been outstanding, but um, but there's an interesting selection dilemma um, if we can call that um, call it that this weekend because obviously Rob McDonald um, is available again um, after serving his one match ban um, against Carlisle. Uh, for his sending off, uh, ridiculous sending off in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was. Uh, you know, I got with a yellow myself. Yeah, I mean the way the lad went down and like he'd been, been shot. shot yeah, it's just ridiculous. I hate to see that. But anyway, that's football for you. Um, so Tom Davis, uh, man of the match on Tuesday night, um, played really well. Um, 
Now Davis came in. He, I think he made his debut against Chesterfield. Um, was brought in deadline day, wasn't he? Um, because basically McDonald was um, was struggling with a knee and hamstring injury at the time, and, and I think Robbins feared the worst, didn't he? Yeah, thought he might be out long term, so brought in another centre back uh, quite wisely. But all of a sudden, Rod makes a, a miraculous recovery. Um, Davis, he had a bit of a nervous debut, I thought, to get at Chesterfield. Um, gave the ball away a couple of times and all that sort of stuff, and. It didn't come as any surprise to me that McDonald was restored alongside Willis for the Port Vale game. No. Um, and I thought, you know, obviously Rob McDonald, I thought they'd be his sort of first choice. But seeing Tom Davis the way he played on Tuesday night against Carlisle, what do you think? Um, it's a tough decision because I do think McDonald and Willis is Robbins's ideal pairing at the back. I think both are able to play with the ball at their feet and play out from the back whereas Davis I think is a bit more awkward with the ball um, and as well McDonald's a natural left footer as mm. compared to Davis who is always coming back onto his right which could cause issues at some point Yeah. Um, but Davis has stuck a real claim to be in the side and I think he, he'll be unlucky if he drops back to the bench um, but personally for me I think I'd put McDonald back in yeah I mean I only because I've seen what he can do, I sort of favour McDonald at the moment. But you know, you have to say, you know, it's going to be pretty harsh on Davis, isn't it, if he's dropped now, having played so well on on Tuesday night. So, but you know, that's what managers want. You know, that's what they crave for, isn't it? They, they crave competition for places. Um, you know, you've got it in virtually every position in, on the park. You know, uh, not least in goal. You know, where the two goalkeepers are pushing each other. Um, so yeah, so that'd be a really interesting one. I mean, you know, from his comments um, in his pre-match press conference, he sort of Mark Robbins sort of sort of hinted that that Davis, what he was bigging him up so much, I, I sort of read him between the lines. I sort of think that perhaps he's going to stick with him. He may just be throwing a complete curveball, of course. But um, but either way, I mean, hopefully it doesn't matter who plays. Hopefully They've they'll, got be, that they'll be safe there, hands. It's good to have that option of Davis and Hyam as well. He's not done badly when he's played as well. Yes, yeah, um, very so much so. Yeah, yeah, so we've got them options and it's nice to have, um, not just have a strong first team, to have a strong bench as well. Yeah. Now, um, let's look at the opposition. Um, uh, Cambridge United um, at the Abbey Stadium, um, scene of a bit of a nightmare last year in the FA Cup, um, where oh, they conceded yeah. four goals. Um which was just, I mean, they were ripped apart. It was almost a one-man, well, it was a two-man show, really, and Luke Berry and um, Uke uh, Ipiezu, the target man, um, um, who's, uh, who's still there, but unfortunately, well, fortunately for, for the Sky Blues, Luke Berry has moved on to Luton, I think, hasn't he? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so he got 20-odd 20, 20 goals, 22, 22 goals? 22 goals. 22 goals. From midfield as well, which is impressive. Yeah. So, um, you know, and they'll, they'll fancy it, won't they? They'll, they'll certainly be up for it. I think they've kept... Four clean four sheets in the last five. In the last five, um, uh, although they, they they lost, well they're unbeaten in four of the last five, haven't they? But they lost to Barnet. I think it was three, three one, one last week away. So they'll be sort of looking to get back on track. But um, you know, with uh, having kept four clean sheets and Coventry five, I mean, are we expecting a tight game? Do you think? I think it will be. I think even though they've struggled for goals a bit, they've only scored six. Um, with Iqpiezu being the main goal threat, um, with our toy defence as well, and they've got quite a solid midfield. Obviously, got Gary Deegan in there, um, so it'll be 
a bit of a battle between him and Doyle. And oh, it's going to be a tasty one, isn't it? It is. Head um, to head, <laughs> Michael Doyle and Gary Deegan. Who's your money on? Hopefully Doyle. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so we'll have to wait and see what, that, what happens with that battle there. Yeah. Um, but I think it'll be a low goal affair. I yeah. think it might be either a nil-nil or looking at someone's going to nick it yeah. at some point. I, I mean, I agree. I think it's, I think it's tight. I think Coventry go there in a nice bit of form, you know, getting picking up a bit of momentum. But as I said, going back to what we said at the start of the the podcast, you know, um, it is fine lines. And I think again Saturday, I think it'll be a, a game of fine lines, unless you know the Sky Blues can really sort of get their attacking game going like they did in the second half against Carlisle. You know, I, I really think it's going to be sort of you know. Uh, a finely balanced game, um, but uh, but uh, but as you say, you know, the, um, uh, Doyle and um, uh, and Deegan. I mean, it's just a sort of mouth-watering prospect, isn't it? But uh, you know, I wonder what odds we can get on uh, Gary Deegan being sent off. I know. Last was it two seasons ago? Was sent off? Yeah, Southend. Yeah. South yeah. I mean, you know, I remember that game, and I said, I, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a. Um, I've been wise after the fact, but you know, I I, I said to the, the local reporter that covers South End at the time, I said, Oh, you watch Deegan will get sent off today. He said, No, he won't, no, he won't. I said, He will, I bet you. Um, and he promptly took out <laughs> Joe Cole in the first half, and then um, Cole was replaced by James Madison in the second half. And uh, I think, yeah, he, he actually took him out as well, and that was it two yellows and a red, off you go, sunshine. Um, but he's kept his nose clean, hasn't he, this season so far? Only one booking in the opening seven or eight games. Which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So you think he's turned over a new leaf? Well, I don't know. But not, not so much the, the pit bull, more of the chihuahua no. that he was when he was in the Sky Blues. Was, exactly. Because he came with this reputation, didn't he, from um, when he joined the Sky Blues? His, you know, his nickname was the, the pit bull. And you know, we didn't we, really see it. You really didn't, did you? No. So you think, well, where's this sort of nasty midfield? But then he's gone on to Repsa. Shrewsbury and Southend, and I think he's chalked up something like 27 bookings and two red cards across two, se- two seasons for them. Yeah. So he's got the fly back in his belly, and yeah. maybe that'll be the case again when he's faced up against Michael Doyle. Yes, because, um, you know, he, 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 Doyle, he, he, he can mix it up, doesn't he? He, yeah. he likes to, to, to mix it up a little bit, you know. Um, uh, with a bit of afters, so um, so it'll be interesting, and uh, you know whether Deegan reacts because it's Coventry, because mm. I'm sure the fans will give him a bit of stick, yeah. and whether he'll react to that and that might provoke something silly. Um, so that'll be interesting, but um, yeah, okay. Now our final subject um, um, of the broadcast is um, is um, some news about a, a departure, young Charlie McCann. We don't really know a great deal about. Um, he's a 15-year-old Scarborough's Academy kid. Um, he's a Coventry kid. Um, been with the club since the age of seven. Uh, come up through um, uh, the academy, and um, he's joined Manchester United, um, uh, the club that he supported as a, a boy. Um, now we only really sort of um, Charlie only sort of came to our attention really in the summer when he was called up for England under 16s. Yeah. Um, played a couple of games for them. Um, and uh, I guess you know when you've got a player that's as talented as we're told he is, I guess it's inevitable, isn't it, that, that they're going to end up going. Come in for him and pick him up. Yeah. Um, but like we haven't heard much of him, and I still didn't know a lot about him until well yesterday when the transfer was announced. But 
at that age it's hard to stand in front of a kid that wants to an academy of that size because who knows where his career could end up now and it's going to give him a platform to really go on and make himself a top player so mm. and we got a fee from I believe I yes so. yeah and I'm, I presume that will be sort of a, a loaded deal you know where City will probably get money depending on, depending on, on, you know, on his first appearance for the first team that sort of stuff and yeah. a number of appearances you would like to think that the deal would be sort of loaded in that sort of way really so that, that Coventry continue to get rewards mm. as his uh, career develops and hopefully flourishes you know but you know I mean it, it's a success story for the lad you know and a dream come true um, you know because it's the team that he supports well. but I just I still think you know that it, it is a real shame and um, you know I've often said that there, there should be a rule um, that that homegrown kids um, should have to play at least 50 games for for their club before being allowed to to either be sold or leave um, you know um, I just think you know it's just such a shame that you know he's been here since the age of seven you know Coventry have developed him coached him you know brought him through and and helped him become the player that he is you know the talent that he is alright there's you know there's natural talent clearly there Um Anyway, but but Coventry sort of nurtured that that talent, um, and yet they get nothing back apart from you know financial reward, um, and it's just you know you just wish you know that you could have seen more of the talent on the pitch um, before he's gone, you know. And I guess the danger is that you know while it is a great opportunity for him to go to Old Trafford, the danger is that because these big clubs take such a scattergun approach. Mm. You know they're 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 mopping up um, kids from throughout the country and all over the world, really. You know, all over Europe. You know, um, they've got scouts looking at kids and stuff like that. But um, you know, um, the danger is that he gets sort of swallowed up in that and, and lost, really. And, and you know, but let's hope that he can sort of stand out and shine and, and make his way through. Um, it's interesting. I, I spoke to um, uh, one of his. Um, Coaches from when he was uh, seven and eight year old because oh, right. he played uh, briefly. He played for Sphinx, I think, um, before he joined the Scarborough's Academy. And he also played for Brinklow, okay. um, junior football club. Um, and I spoke to um, his coach from the time, uh, a chap called Wayne Pulford, and who uh, and I asked him. So you know, first he did he think he got what he you know did he he think at that tender age that he'd go all the way? And and the other thing is you know what sort of stood out about him at that age mm. um, and and he said you know it was it was that sort of gritty determination because he's a midfielder and he, he said when he played for his he played in the seven aside um, team he played sort of wide right but he just had that sort of that hunger and heart and determination that sort of real will to win you know that was um, was a step above everybody else on the pitch you know so and I think that's what matters most for kids nowadays is you can have all the talent in the world but you've got to want it as well and see so many kids that are blessed with skills and good ability but don't have that desire to go to the next level or fight to be in the first team but if he's got that then who knows yeah. where he could end up yeah well let's uh, say if it is I mean you know you know, you did a piece yesterday um, about other youngsters from the academy or, or yeah. academy homegrown talents that, that got away but one that sort of sticks out for me um, really in more recent years is Basala Sambu who obviously moved to Everton um, but you know 
you know, you can't help think. I mean, I know he's doing really well there in the 23s, but you can't help thinking that he might be a first team player here at Coventry. He probably would be. I mean, Ponticelli's not far off. And you think Sambu is he a year older or something like that? Yeah. So he probably would be one of our first choice strikers. And for him as well, um, it's probably better to have men's football than under 23s football. Um, even though it be League Two, it's still going up against people of different ages rather than people of the same age group, mm. um, and would probably help him develop a bit better before yeah. he goes on to the Everton's or any team bigger than that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you, George. That brings us to the end of um, this latest edition of the um, Coventry Telegraph um, Pods podcast uh, while we sing together um, hopefully we'll catch you next week Mantej Man will be back with me next week um, in the hot seat and um, uh, we'll speak to you then so thanks George no problem <laughs>